This is Made to Conquer, a podcast designed to inspire you to have a deep relationship with Jesus. Jesus told us to make every effort to enter through the narrow door so that when we stand before him, we hear the words, well done, my good and faithful servant. Hello, everyone. This is Tiana Showy, and welcome to the podcast Made to Conquer. Thank you guys so much for being here, for tuning in. This is truly just, it is just such a joy to, to share this time with you. I cannot believe I'm about ready to say this, but Thanksgiving is next week. Where did 2021 go? <laughs> and the reason that this is just blowing my mind is because I published the first episode of this podcast in the middle of December last year. So it was like December 15th or 16th. I can't remember exactly which day. That means one year of this podcast. And I never in a million years imagined that God was going to do through this podcast, but he has done. And it has just been such a privilege and an honor. It's overwhelming at times, but not, not for the reasons you might think. It's overwhelming because I feel so privileged that, that the Lord has entrusted me with this, that I find myself just saying, okay, Lord, I just don't let me mess it up. <laughs> like that, you know, just allow me to be a good steward of what you've given me. And my heart is that all of you, as you listen to this podcast and you learn to go deeper in your relationship with Jesus, spend more time with him, have more intimacy, learn what it means to be filled with the Holy Spirit and follow the Holy Spirit, that you begin to, to, to see what, what the Lord has called you to and step into that as well. And part of the reason why I'm so vulnerable and honest with you is because I don't want you to think that following the Lord is just like, I'm going to wake up one morning and everything's going to be perfect. In fact, the topic of today's podcast is going to be a tougher topic. It's going to be, we're going to be talking about what it means to be refined in the fire. It's, it's sometimes a struggle for me. Sometimes I, I sit here and I get overwhelmed with the responsibility and, and my heart is just to allow the Holy Spirit to work through me and to speak to you. And, you know, Lord, don't, don't allow me to get in your way. And, and I want to be a good steward of what you've given me and, and what you've called me to use and, and the gifts that you've given me. I want to faithfully serve you with them. And sometimes that can be overwhelming and it's not perfection that I'm aiming for, but it's obedience. And you know, it's easy, it's easy also to allow the enemy to discourage me and to tell me, what are you doing? You have no right speaking. You have no right doing that. And I share these honest struggles with you because again, like I said, we are a body, we are a team, we are a unit. And in my podcast, God gave you gifts. Now go use them. We have a responsibility to be a good steward of what God's given us. And so I want to share with you the genuine journey that it, that it is to say, Lord, here's my fish and loaves. And this is what it's like. And some days you have all the confidence in the world. And other days you step back and you're going, I don't know if I have the courage to get behind that microphone, but whatever it is that God has called you to, your feelings don't dictate what your, what your behavior should be. In other words, it's okay to feel one way and do another thing. I often wonder how Abraham felt when he laid Isaac down. I'm sure Abraham in his heart, just like we talked about with Daniel a couple episodes ago, Abraham in his heart was resolved to obey God, but I'm sure that didn't make laying his son down any easier. I'm sure there was a battle that occurred. I, he knew that God was going to deliver on his promise to Isaac. He knew that God was faithful. We know this because Paul lays this out so clearly for us in the book of Romans that, that it was Abraham's faith. It was his absolute assurance in God's promises that gave Abraham his righteousness. 
just the faith in God. And I'm sure Abraham knew beyond a shadow of a doubt that when he was obedient to God, that God was going to bless that. But I'm sure that there was still a struggle. And I want to be honest with you guys about that. I want you to know that there are some, sometimes I get behind this microphone and I feel so inadequate, (laughs) so ill-prepared. But then there are other times I just step back and I say, you know what? It's not about me. It's not about how I feel. It's It's about what the Lord wants to do and how he wants to speak to you. So I appreciate you guys being a part of this journey. I appreciate your patience, your camaraderie. You just operating as the body. I love the bride of Christ. I love the body of Christ because God does so many miraculous things through us. And so I thank you guys for that. And for those of you that support the pod fan, thank you again. I never in a million years imagined that this podcast would get as many downloads as it gets. And emails and the comments that I get from you guys are overwhelming. I don't know how to respond most of the time because I, yeah, all I can tell you is that it's it's all the Lord. And I know a lot of people say that, and it you know it's like I remember there was this one pastor I used to talk to, and everything was praise the Lord. And I'm like, do you really mean that? You say that all the time. Like, do you genuinely mean that? But I genuinely can tell you that as a person who's who's in this position, that I can't take credit for any of this. This is 100 the Lord, and and I just want to reiterate that and state that in, in an attempt to encourage you as you're walking with Jesus, as you're spending more time with him, as you're learning what it means to be filled and led by the Holy Spirit and learning what it means to, to truly belong to the savior of the world, to have abandoned the kingdom of darkness and now to walk in the kingdom of light, that there are going to be times it doesn't feel okay. There are going to be times that it doesn't always make sense, but it's not about how you feel. It's about the assurance in Jesus. And that's the beautiful thing is that that it doesn't matter what I feel like when I stand behind this microphone, because it's never been about me or my ability. It's always been about the Lord and what he's going to do through me. You know, it's funny. I wasn't going to, I wasn't planning on saying this, but here we are. I had a situation in my life where I was hurt by somebody and they didn't mean to hurt me. Maybe they did, but uh, I don't think they meant to hurt me the way that they did. They they were making a statement, I guess is, is the best way to say it. And it was it was obvious if I stepped back from the situation emotionally that that the enemy had clearly um, convoluted this person's mind and this person was being used as a puppet by the enemy. And I I've battled with the Lord over this situation many times because unforgiveness has no business in the heart of a non of a believer. And it wasn't that I hadn't forgiven this person, but the pain of the situation was so real that I struggled to pray for this person. And I remember just saying to the Lord once, I said, you want us to love so deeply. Our, our entire life, once we decide to follow you, is about loving other people. How do we love other people when this is the kind of rejection that we're going to face? Because it's guaranteed that, that people are going to take the love and goodwill that we give them and push it back at us. There will not be 100% acceptance. We see this all throughout Jesus's life. In fact, one of the saddest scriptures in the Bible is John 6, 66. John 666, and it talks about how a great multitude stopped following Jesus because they couldn't, they couldn't follow what he was talking about any longer. What he was saying was too much for them. So I just said, Lord, how do, how do we do that? Because that was Jesus's life. Even as he's hanging on the cross, he's saying, Father, forgive them for they do not know what they do. How do we have that, that type of love for people and yet deal with the amount of rejection that we're going to deal with as believers? And I asked the Lord that question and I didn't realize that how he was going to answer it. It's always amazing being a Christian, how the Lord decides he's going to answer our questions. And one of the things that the Lord's had me do, and I think I've mentioned this on this podcast is read Corey Tinboom's The Hiding Book, The Hiding Place. I read a good bit, by the way, I'm always reading. 
in this, this particular book I read in about two days, maybe three. And it's a, it's about Corrie Ten Boom, her and her family rescued Jews during the Holocaust. They were, they lived in Holland at the time and they got caught and her family, several of her family members were incarcerated at different times, but her brother, her dad, her and her sister all went to jail at the same time. Her dad died uh, shortly after being incarcerated. Her brother was released and her and her sister were eventually shipped off to a concentration camp where her sister died in the concentration camp. The story is really deep and I don't want to go through all of it right now, but one of the most profound parts of the story is her sister, Betsy, just never seemed to have a bad attitude about the whole thing. I mean, they suffered immensely <laughs> in the cold, starvation, disease, you know, the, the, it was not a pleasant situation under any circumstances, but Betsy just continued to see the hope of the gospel of Jesus in this situation. And God used her and Corey powerfully to share the gospel, to do Bible studies while they were in the concentration camp. Betsy eventually died. But one of the things that Betsy used to say to Corey is, Corey, if they can be taught to hate this, this much, then they can be taught to love. And she always saw the hope of the gospel in this situation, which I, <laughs> I mean, only the Holy Spirit can produce that kind of that hope and optimism in the life of a person. But at the very end of the book, Corey tells a story after, after she's been released years later, she spent years dedicating her life to helping Holocaust victor, victims kind of regroup mentally and, and, and recuperate, help them heal. And so she went around and she would share her story at different churches. And it was just a beautiful ministry she had. She went to Germany for a period of time during her, her ministry. And she went to a small little German church and she tells the story at the end. And one of the soldiers that was one of her tormentors comes up to her at, at the, after the service and he's glowing with the love of Jesus in his life. And he goes to shake her hand and say, Corey, can you believe that God can forgive a sinner like me? And she describes just this sensation of fear and anger and anguish that just overcame her in that moment because there she was face to face with somebody who had harmed her during this traumatic period in her life. And she, she did not want to shake his hand. And she said, I did not have it within me to raise my hand up and shake his hand. All throughout the story, she talks about how these moments where she just didn't have what it takes to keep going, she would just pray and she would say, Jesus, help me. And this was another one of those moments. And she just said, Jesus, help me to shake his hand and to show him the love that you have because I don't have it within me. And when she said that prayer, she felt her hand raising up and she grabbed his hand and she shook his hand. And just this powerful moment occurred between the two of them, healing and hope and love and, and just things that only the Holy Spirit can do. And I remember hearing that story and it just profoundly struck me. And so one night the Lord was speaking to me and he said, Tiana, you've got to come to me with this particular situation with this person. And I said, Father, I I've tried to pray about it. I don't, I don't know what to do about this. It's so painful. Every time I talk about it, I don't know what to do about it. And the Lord said, what did Corey do when she couldn't raise her hand and shake the hand of the Nazi soldier that tortured her? I said she prayed and asked for your help. And he said, it's exactly what I want you to do always, Tiana, when it's easy and when it's difficult. I, I just want you to, to, to trust me. It's always been about me working through you. And so I just said, Lord, help me to pray for this person because I know and you know that the enemy is using this person and that the enemy has now isolated them from you. And I don't care as much about what they did to me as much as I care that they get set free from how the enemy is using them. And 
when I prayed that and I gave it to the Lord and I asked his strength to come through me and I stopped trying to pray for this person in my own strength and in my own quote unquote goodness. And I say, quote unquote, because I'm just, you know, I don't have goodness apart from Jesus. (laughs) And I had the Holy Spirit just come upon me and we had the most incredible prayer session. And I felt the burden of, of, the pain lift from me. And now I can freely pray for this person because of what the Lord is doing through me. And it taught me such a valuable lesson about what it means to just simply submit to the Lord and follow his leading. And that is just, you know, that's where I am. And and I try to share with you guys on this podcast, just the honest, the honest journey I'm on of following Jesus and share it with you in hopes that it inspires you to draw closer to to Jesus that it inspires you to spend more time in the word, more time in prayer, more time seeking him, and more time being transformed into the image of who God has us to be. Well, that was a long intro. (laughs) Did not intend for that intro to last that long. But there's a reason why I I started down that rabbit hole and went a little bit deeper than I planned. And that's because, you know, one of the things that I'm working on is I'd like to write a book. I've got about a quarter of it done. And then I kind of put it on pause to finish school. And I know that the Lord wants me to finish that book, but I need to get through school first. And then once I get through school, I'll write that book. So one of the things that I've been doing to keep my, you know, just to keep my writing, keep in the habit of writing, I guess is the best way to say it is I've been writing a blog. So on my website, made to conquer podcast.com, I have a blog. I don't have any regular like regularity or cadence or schedule. I just write when I have time, again, just sustain that habit of writing. And as I was sitting down to write my last blog, you know, again, I, the, the journey I'm on is just learning to follow the shepherd every day, learning to get up and just check in every day and follow him every day and give him every moment of every day so he can produce through me what he wants to do through me and in me what he wants to do in me. And one of the one of the things that has really inspired me recently is a piece of art from an artist named Vanessa Orabuena. She's an artist in Colorado, I believe, and she has these she does this beautiful she does these beautiful videos where she paints pictures to worship music and they're just beautifully profoundly beautiful Christian art. And she has this one picture called My Sheep Know My Voice and it's just this beautiful picture of shepherd like the bottom of a shepherd's robe his feet and this little lamb looking up at the shepherd i love this piece of art because it just reminds me that that's really what i'm supposed to do is just be the lamb that never leaves the ankles of my shepherd that's the safest and best place to be and that's where i want to be is continually following him at his ankles every day is just waking up and saying where do my she- where is my shepherd and where should i be following him there's a simplicity in that and I was blogging about that and I wanted to share that image. And so I wrote Vanessa and I said, Hey, you know, I, can I use this on my website? I'm going to give you credit. I'm going to link to your website and encourage people to go buy your art because I love your art. And she said, yeah, but I'll actually send you one of my canvas prints. And I said, wow, thank you. That would be incredible. But my parents actually got me the one I wanted for my birthday. So would it be okay with you if I gave it to one of my listeners? And she said, yeah, absolutely. So guess what guys, that means I'm going to do a drawing and you're going to get to be entered into a drawing for one of Vanessa Orabuena's pieces of art. So here's how we're going to do this. I've thought about this in many different ways. So there's two ways that you can submit your name for the drawing and I will do the drawing between now and the next podcast. So uh, hopefully we'll get this in in the next couple of weeks and then I will announce on the next podcast who won 
the piece of art. So here's how you can enter your name in the drawing. Sign up for my newsletter. I don't send out many emails. I, I am so busy that I don't have time to read my <laughs> email. So I try to keep my email short and sweet. Usually I'll announce a blog or talk about something like we just had our first uh, edition t-shirts printed. You know, I'll talk about those, but I try to keep it really at a minimum. So sign up for the newsletter. Here's the thing though. If you've never received an email from me, it's likely because you haven't actually accepted the uh, there's there should be an email that comes along after you subscribe that says confirm confirm your subscription. If you don't confirm your subscription, it does not allow me to email you. That's just kind of how the that's how the software works. So go on and sign up and make sure you confirm your subscription. Look in the junk mail in case you don't see it because sometimes it goes into junk mail. Anybody who's already signed up a subscriber on my newsletter will be automatically entered into the into the drawing. If you do not want to be subscribed to my newsletter, and that's fine, I get it, then just go to the contact me page. There should be a little form for you to fill out. You can contact me and ask to be entered in the drawing, and I will enter you in the drawing. I have no, I'm not going to treat subscribers versus non-subscribers any different. It's not my, it's not mine. It's, it's something that I'm going to just pass through. So please, if you want to participate, do that, and I'll throw your name into the drawing and see who gets to win Vanessa's beautiful piece of art. So thank you guys again for listening. And I want to use this as an opportunity to return it to you, but also it's just a great, it's a great reminder of what we're supposed to do every day. Just get up and follow the shepherd. So I love that simplicity. All right. That was a long intro. (laughs) So let's pray and then talk about today's topic, which coincides in some ways, or should I say dovetails very nicely with the story I told about Corey Timboom at the beginning, because we're going to talk about what it means to buy silver refined in the fire from Jesus and what it means to be refined in the fire and to take courage and encouragement from the seasons in our lives where we feel like nothing is adding up and things just aren't going the way they're supposed to go and just draw encouragement from God's word that he disciplines those he loves. He, he takes us on a journey of making us like him. And that journey is not an easy journey. And I think sometimes depending upon you know where you've gotten your gospel we've got some we've got some dangerous gospels out there that teach a happy go lucky christian life and you will have a peace in your life that cannot be replicated anywhere outside of a relationship with jesus but that does not mean that everything in your life is going to go the way you want it to go on the contrary the lord breaks those walls down within us and breaks our expectations down so we have his perspective his view and we become more like him. And that process is a painful, hard process. But what is produced through us and as a result of it is something we should all long for. And so that's what we're going to talk about today. But first, we're going to ask the Lord to lead this conversation. And uh, then let's then we'll jump into God's word. So let's pray. Heavenly Father, we just thank you. Um, Lord, what a privilege, privilege it is just to be able to open our devices and hear your word. For many, many, many years, your word was just shared in small gatherings, small groups by those who knew it. But Lord, you've just made it so abundantly available to us. And Lord, we don't want to take this beautiful privilege you've given us of building each other up as the body, being fed your word, having easy access to your word and tools that allow us to dig deep. We don't want to take that for granted. Instead, Lord, we want to be good stewards of what you've given us. And so Father, we just ask for this time we just ask for our hearts and minds that you would just clear them and Lord, that you would be leading this, that you would be doing a work within us, Father. 
So we can take everything that you've planted within us and you can create a beautiful crop through our lives, Lord. Jesus, we are eagerly awaiting your return. We long for when you come and make right what has been broken. But Lord, until then, we know that you are still working on this planet through us. And you taught us when we pray to pray, Father, your kingdom come and your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And Lord, that is just our heart's cry. May your will be done in this podcast. May your will be done in our lives. May your will be done on this planet. So Lord, lead this time, be with us. And Holy Spirit, we just ask that you would give us ears to hear, eyes to see, and Lord, that you would lead this conversation. I just give this time to you and in your precious name, we pray, Jesus. Amen. So, you know, again, I, I just try to share my honest, genuine walk with you guys and, and what the Lord's teaching me and, and what I'm learning at, as I'm walking, as I'm going through my own journey of walking with the Lord. It's just, it's bizarre when I think back about my life and, and you know, just being a young person exposed to great, you know, great church and great Bible teaching. I mean, I still remember being 10 years old, 11 years old and learning Bible stories about Elijah and how the Lord planted all these seeds in my life. And even when I went through a season in life, when I walked away from him, you know, what, what happened when I came back was a lot of weeding of the garden. (laughs) And, and while the Lord is still weeding through that garden, nothing that he planted went to waste. And so that's the beauty of being a Christian is knowing that God truly does work all things together for the good of those who love him and are called according to his purpose. And so you know, where, where, and and you guys have seen this kind of reflected in some of my recent podcasts, you know, where my heart is really right now is, Lord, what do you want to do through my life and in my life on this short journey on earth? (laughs) You know, the Bible teaches us that, that, that this time we spend on the planet is a vapor, it's a mist. It's very quick, but there's a very profound purpose that God has for it. He didn't, he didn't, put us on earth on accident. This isn't a mistake. This is a part of a journey, part of a process that the Lord is very specifically taking us through. And so I want to make sure that that this purpose, this time in my life, everything that the Lord has for me is truly fulfilled through it. And I want to encourage you to do the same thing. So one of the passages that just constantly sits in my heart comes from the book of Revelation chapter three. So if you guys are following along in your Bible, we're going to, we're going to go to the church in Laodicea. Now I, I love these 12 churches or the seven churches and we could spend time in the first two or Revelations chapter two and three, Revelation chapter two and three, by the way, a lot of people call it revelations. It's the revelation of Jesus Christ. So it's revelation. And I think out of habit, sometimes I say revelations because that's how so many people refer to the book of revelation, but it is the revelation of Jesus Christ. So it's revelation, no S on it. <laughs> so anyway, in Revelation chapter three, the church in Laodicea. Now, the reason that that this one is so profound is I believe that, well, I can see the American church in, in all the other churches. That, I mean, certainly, and, and my audience isn't purely American, by the way. I know that there are some of you in Australia, Zimbabwe. Uh, I know that in the UK. So I can see kind of on the demographics that there's quite a quite an international audience. And I think that this is probably true in in all over the world that some believers have become very lukewarm. Now there are some who are not lukewarm at all. They're just zealous for the wrong things. And that's what, you know, the first letter of the church of Ephesus is about, you know, Jesus is like, that's great that you've, 
you've found all these apostles that are, are false apostles, but you've forsaken me, your first love. And then to the church in Sardis, he talks about the fact that you, you think you're alive, but you're actually dead. So there's a lot, lot that we can glean that we should have internal introspection on, but there's also a lot in here that I think that that we should talk about as, as, as the body of Christ. And so what I like about the church in Laodicea is that Jesus gives them three very specific things to pay attention to. And I'm, we're going to focus on one of those three things, but let's read this passage in the context and then dive into that. Starting in revelation three, verse 14 to the angel of the church in Laodicea, write: These are the words of the amen, the faithful and true witness, the ruler of God's creation. I know your deeds that you are neither hot nor cold. I wish you were either one or the other. So because you are lukewarm, neither hot nor cold, I am about to spit you out of my mouth. You say I am rich. I have acquired wealth and do not need a thing, but you do not realize that you are wretched, pitiful, poor, blind, and naked. I counsel you to buy from me gold refined in the fire so you can become rich and white clothes to wear so you can cover your shameful nakedness and salve to put on your eyes so you can see. Those whom I love, I rebuke and discipline. So be earnest and repent. Here I am. I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with that person and they with me. To the one who is victorious, I will give the right to sit with me on my throne, just as I was victorious and sat with my father on his throne. Whoever has ears, let them hear what the spirit says to the churches. There's so much packed into these few verses. So the first thing I want to point out is that Jesus is, is saying to them, you have, you've gotten to a place where you're comfortable, lukewarm. That's what that, that lukewarm temperature is. I do a lot of secular work. I have a secular podcast. And one of the sayings in the, that is common in the self-help personal growth segment where I spend a lot of time is there is no growth in the comfort zone. And that's exactly what Jesus is saying here in a spiritual sense, as well as a physical sense. In other words, you can't get physically fit in the comfort zone. You can't become a smarter person in the comfort zone. Every Everything that would push us to the next level or develop us requires us becoming uncomfortable for a period of time. And that's what Jesus is saying is you're, you're neither hot nor cold, you're lukewarm. But, but even beyond that, there's a deception that they believe. They believe that they're okay. You say I am rich and have acquired wealth and do not need a thing. You think you've gotten to the point in your life where you are without need. You're good. You have everything you need. But Jesus says, but you do not realize you are wretched, pitiful, poor, blind, and naked. And so what Jesus is saying is that there's a reality beyond what you see that is actually much worse than what you are actually seeing. You're looking at yourself from one perspective, but what I see is quite different. And this is a concept all throughout the scripture. You know, I, this is what, this is what God said to Samuel, the prophet, when Samuel was figuring out who the next King of Israel was going to be. If you remember this story from the book of first Samuel, when, when the Lord told Samuel to go anoint the next King, because Saul had disobeyed and, and lost God's blessing to be the King. Samuel sees David's oldest brother and is like, this must be the man. And God's like, no, I don't look at the things you look at. I look at the heart. And Samuel went all the way down the line of brothers and David wasn't even in the room. David was out with the sheep and Samuel was like, is there, do you have another son? Oh yeah. Yeah. David, the shepherd boy. And that was who God had chosen. And so that's what Jesus is saying here. What you're looking at, you think you're okay. But what I see is actually quite different. It's, it's awful, wretched, pitiful, poor, blind, naked. Now here, verse 18 is where we're going to focus. I counsel you to buy from me gold refined in the fire so you can become rich. 
Is Jesus talking about worldly wealth? No, absolutely not. We, we all know that he's talking about spiritual wealth. And this is what he talks about when he says, store up for yourself treasures in heaven where moth and rust do not destroy for where your heart is there, your treasure will be also where your treasure is there. Your heart will be also <laughs> I got that. I got that mixed up. What Jesus is saying is that there is a spiritual wealth that you are lacking. And I counsel you to come to me and ask for this spiritual wealth so I can make you spiritually wealthy. So your treasure is in heaven and your priorities are where they need to be. And I am your God and you are not sitting in a cold or lukewarm state, but you are hot on fire for me. And then he tells them to buy clothes to wear so they're not naked any longer, salve so they can so they can see. But he says something profound in verse 19 to those those whom I love, I rebuke and discipline. That is, that is part of what he's talking about by gold refined in the fire. There is a painful process that we must walk through in order to achieve and attain those things that Jesus has for us. Be earnest, be earnest and repent. Come forth, come to me and buy from me gold refined in the fire. Sometimes we look at the situations in, we're, in our lives and we think, God has me in the fire, but what Jesus is actually saying to us is step into the fire, (laughs) come to me and say to me, Lord, I want you to refine me and make me what you have for me to be here. I am. I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with that person. And they, with me, I could go I could go in so many different directions just with that scripture alone. We have the analogy from the book of Song of Psalms, Song of Solomon, where Solomon comes and knocks on her door and she's already in bed and already undressed and doesn't want to get up and doesn't want to prepare. By the time she gets up and opens the door, Solomon's already gone. And so then Jesus also tells a story in the book of Luke where he says, you know, be prepared waiting for me. So when I knock, you immediately open the door. And so Jesus is using that same, we see that same analogy coming through the scripture into this one passage right here. We need to be in a place in our lives where when the Lord says, it's time for me to do a work in your life, our answer is yes, Lord. And we open the door and we allow him to refine us and we go through that process. And the way that Jesus words us, I counsel you to buy from me gold refined in the fire. We are the, we have a role to play in this. It isn't just you wake up one day like Job and everything in your life has changed. You're like, well, I guess I'm in the refiner's fire. What Jesus is actually saying here is wake up repent, be earnest, come to me and, uh, and ask me to do this work in your life. And I, I, for most of my life, I've been that one that's kicked against the goads. <laughs> and that's a, that's a biblical analogy of talking about, you know, your, your harness, the Lord's going to do is work with you and you're kicking against what God's doing to you. And, and, and so as I've matured, what I've learned to do is say, okay, not only do I not want to fight God and what he's doing, but I want to become an, a, a participant. I want to, I want to actively engage in what he's asking me to do rather than just being a bystander of what God is doing in my life. And that's what Jesus is saying here. I counsel you to buy from me gold refined in the fire. So we're going to look at a couple of different passages that talk about this, what it means to buy from the Lord gold refined in the fire. But this is going to be the premise that we're going to start off with. So Jesus actually describes this in a slightly different term in the book of Luke. And we're in Luke chapter six, verse 46. And so this is kind of the first part of buying gold from Jesus refined in the fire. Luke six, verse 46. Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not do what I say? As for everyone who comes to me and hears my words and puts them into practice, I will show you what they are like. They are like a man building a house who dug down deep and laid the foundation on the rock. 
When a flood came, the torrent struck the house, but could not shake it because it was well built. But the one who hears my words and does not put them into practice is like a man who built a house on the ground without a foundation. The moment the torrent struck the house, it collapsed and its destruction was complete. So we are guaranteed on this side of eternity to have trials and tribulations. That's exactly what Jesus is saying here. When the storm comes, it doesn't say that those who build their, their house upon the rock never face storms. No, because we Jesus just told us in Revelation that he disciplines those he loves. And so there will always be a process that God is wanting to walk us through. He, there's always a, a, a this analogy of the potter working with the clay. He wants to continue to mold us. So we will be faced with many trials and tribulations throughout this life. But based upon how we choose to live our life, if we choose to go to Jesus and buy from him gold refined in the fire, determines whether our house stands in the storm or falls in the storm. And what does Jesus say? The difference is putting into practice what he teaches us. That was the problem that the Laodicean church had. They were not hot or cold, they were lukewarm. They were not putting into practice the things that Jesus had told them to do. And that's why he says, okay, it's time for you to come to me and start asking me to mature you. It's time for you to allow my righteousness, buy from me clothes, you know, white clothing, allow my righteousness to cover you, stop living in the filth of sin, and then salve for your eyes so you can see, allow my Holy Spirit to guide you and lead you. These are these are the things that Jesus is saying. And so what he tells us here in Luke chapter six is that if you are a wise person, then what you are doing is you are allowing, you are, you are building your life on the foundation of the things that I have taught you. Now, this is, this is a challenging thing to understand because on one hand, we have the world over here telling us this is what wisdom looks like. And remember, it is Satan masquerading as an angel of light. On the other hand, we have God over here telling us this is what wisdom looks like. And it is the two stand in opposition often. They sometimes seem like they don't because remember, Satan, Satan mimics twists and manipulate what God is actually saying to us. So you have, you know, for example, Satan over here saying, okay, you know, love is, is the way forward. But in, in Satan's kingdom in the enemy's kingdom, love looks like acceptance of everything in God's kingdom. Love looks like, no, I have my rules. I have my ways because I understand there are certain roads that lead to death. And so there are boundaries and there are restrictions. It is not a free-for-all in God's kingdom. They're both called love, but only one actually leads to life and the other one actually leads to death. And so as Christians, discerning this and understanding this is critical, but the only way we can discern that and understand that and build our house upon the true definition of love is to be in God's word, to be in relationship and in fellowship with the Lord. So we are building our house on the right foundation. It's very easy to get this wrong because we find ourselves conflicted between what the world is saying and what the Lord is saying. And so, the, you know, the first thing that we have to accept is that it's going to be uncomfortable. It's going to, the refining process, buying gold refined in the fire is a painful process. God is going to allow us to go through things that hurt to produce gold in our lives. And Here's the, here's the most important thing. If you hear nothing else, I say, I want you to know this about the Lord, because this is so important to understand when we're walking through painful things, the enemy wants to tell us that God is evil. God is mean. God is he's see, this is why you want to be a part of my kingdom because I don't, I won't do these things to you, which is all lies by the way. 
this is an important thing I'm about to say. There is no, there is absolutely no wasted suffering in God's kingdom. Romans 8, 28, God works all things together. The pain and suffering that we endure as believers, God is taking and using in our lives to refine us. That's the gold refined in the fire. And so with these two foundational pieces that Jesus has given us, we're going to go through a few more passages of scripture where this concept is talked about. I love this so much. The book of Zechariah, if you guys have not spent much time in the minor prophets, spend some time reading through them. Uh, you know, again, keeping in context, understanding, you know, that some of them are, are talking about repentance for the coming of the Assyrians and Babylonians, but some of it is also very much future forward. So Zechariah has a lot of parallels to the book of Revelation. And I love this book for that reason. But actually there's a, there's a passage in Zechariah that Jesus himself quotes in the book of Matthew 2631. And we're going to talk about that because there's a very profound concept in this passage that Jesus quotes. So in Zechariah chapter 13, Jesus is talking about, or here Zechariah is prophesying, strike the shepherd and the sheep will be scattered. I will turn my hand against the little ones. This is talking about when Jesus was taken and crucified. We know that because Jesus quotes this. He tells the disciples, guys, listen, this is what's going to happen. And this is what Zechariah meant when he said that. But there's something profound that occurs. That was verse seven that I just read. We're going to go down to verse nine. Well, let me read verse eight actually gives context. In the, in the whole land, declares the Lord, two thirds will be struck down and perish, yet one third will be left in it. Now there's a literal, there's a literal that actually occurred, but then there's actually a spiritual concept that, that occurs later down the line with Jesus that we hear, see here. So starting in verse nine, this third, I will put into the fire. I will refine them like silver and test them like gold. They will call on my name and I will answer them. And I will say, they are my people. And they will say, the Lord is our God. So Jesus quotes this passage right before his crucifixion to, to explain to the disciples what's going to happen. But there's a deeper thing at play here. What he's saying is after his crucifixion and resurrection, that, that those that choose to follow the Lord are going to be put into the fire to refine them like silver and test them like gold. This is part of the cost of following Jesus. This is why Jesus says, count the cost before you follow me, because there will be a process of refining that I'm going to take you through, and it is going to be painful. But, but on the other side of that, when we get through this process of being refined, they will call on my name and I will answer them. They will call on my name and I will answer them. You know, this one of my favorite worship songs is the worship song Psalm 116. And, and that's just the name of the worship song. I forget who the, the band is that sings it. I'll put it in the notes when I get a chance to look it up. But here's, here's, the, here's how Psalm 116 starts. I love the Lord for he heard my voice. He heard my cry for mercy because he turned his ear to me. The God of heaven turned his ear to me. They will call on my name and I will answer them. I will say, they are my people. And they will say, the Lord is our God. It is the refining process that creates that bond between us and the Lord. Because we truly, when we stand in the fire and we allow him to purify us, and we allow him to create in us the character that he desires to build in us and the likeness of Jesus that he desires to pour in our lives. When we stand through that pain and we say, you know what? It doesn't matter what the circumstances look like. God is good. This was, this is the whole story of the book of Job. 
Job says the Lord gives and the Lord takes away, but blessed be the name of the Lord. It doesn't matter what the circumstances of your life look like because God is creating gold in your life. This is the entire story of Corey Tinboom. There were times when she suffered what seemed like needless suffering, but down the road, the Lord used that incredible pain to, to pour out an amount of love that only that kind of pain could have brought about. And some of you may say, how can a good God have allowed that to happen? But, but the lives that Corey Tinboom has touched, what God produced in that fire, when Corey and Betsy stood in the flame of that suffering, what God produced in it was thousands, tens of thousands, if not hundreds of thousands of lives impacted through those two years of suffering. That was it. Two years they were in those, that concentration camp. I'm not belittling or diminishing their suffering, but I'm saying, saying what, what God bought through that, what God wrought through that, what God created through that was far more profound than the two years of suffering. This is how God works. He takes, he takes our broken pieces. He takes our few fishes and loaves he takes the broken circumstances of our lives and he creates gold with it. He is the only one who can do that. The other suffering, the suffering that is brought about in sin, the suffering that is brought about by the enemy only leads to death. There's a big difference. You're going to suffer one way or another. This is why we see tragic stories of celebrities who take their own lives because the suffering, all the things that the enemy baits his fish hook with, they, they don't ease the suffering. <laughs> They don't lead to death. They don't lead to life though. Like God's, God's refining process leads to life. So that was Zechariah chapter 13. We're going to go to Malachi chapter three, verse three. He will sit as a refiner and purifier of silver. He will purify the Levites and refine them like gold and silver. And we, and the reason that that's significant is we become a royal priesthood. This is what the book of Hebrews teaches we become a royal priesthood. Those of us who are now washed in the blood of the lamb become a royal priesthood. We, but we have to go through a refining process. And like I said, we can choose to participate in that, or we can choose to kick against the goads, or we can lose sight of God's goodness in that process. This is, you know, the parable of the seed and the sower, the rocks, when life's, or, or the, the, or excuse me, not the rocks, but the weeds, you know, when life's worries and cares came and all of a sudden the pain of, of following Jesus got real, those plants withered and died. But I'm encouraging you, my friends, my, my, my body, my brothers and sisters, those of you who we are knit together as the bride of Christ. What I'm saying is we need to learn to stand in the fire even when the circumstances don't make sense, because what God is producing through us, we don't see and we don't understand. This is what faith is. This is what faith, this is exactly what faith is. It is saying, I don't understand this. It doesn't make sense, but I'm going to stand in the fire because I trust you, Lord, and I trust what you're building in my life. Psalm 66, verse 10. For you, God, tested us. You refined us like silver. This concept of us being tested and refined is found all throughout the scripture. So I'm going to pause from reading additional passages about that. I'm going to close on a passage in Peter. And I want to talk about some Bible characters who were fined in the fire. Let's talk about Abraham. Abram. I actually went back and reread the story of Abram. You know, God makes Abraham a promise. He says, I'm going to make you, I'm going to bless all the people on the earth through you. And I'm going to give you a land. Come follow me. And Abraham went and followed him. And then he came to him again and he made a covenant with him. And he passed through the blood of the animals and he made a covenant. I'm going to make you 
a great nation. And then the angels came and said, we're going to give you a son. Abraham heard the promise of God multiple times before Sarah became pregnant. And then after Sarah finally gives birth to Isaac, the promised child, years later, God says to Abraham, I need you now to lay him down on the altar. And after Abraham lays Isaac down on the altar, and ultimately we know how that story ends, the angel stops Abraham from killing Isaac. God says, now I know you really mean it, and I'm truly going to bless you through this. Abraham had to walk through the fire to to become our father and the father of the promise that we now all have inherited as a result of what Jesus has done for us. Let's talk about Joseph. (laughs) Joseph, God gives him a dream, and then Joseph is thrown, he's, he's thrown into a pit by his brother, sold as a slave to Egypt. And then even when things are going well, and he's still honoring him, honoring the Lord and doing what he's called to do, and he runs from Potiphar's wife, he's thrown into prison. And it isn't until many years later that Joseph becomes the ruler of Egypt. It says he was 30 years old when he became the ruler of Egypt. And I believe he was about 16 years old when he was sold off into slavery. He was 14 or 16, one of those ages, I can't remember. Moses. God rescues Moses as a young boy. He spends 40 years in Pharaoh's palace, 40 years in the desert, knowing that God had called him to set his people free. And then he finally goes. Let's talk about Joshua. Joshua was Moses's right-hand man. And then all of a sudden Moses dies and now Joshua is responsible for taking over the leadership. And Joshua had to go into the promised land. Ruth. Ruth went through the refining process, going into the hot field and picking grain in the heat of the day, not knowing that Boaz was going to come and redeem her at some point. She had no idea what the end of that story was going to be. Esther. Esther laid her life on the line, fasted for three days and laid her life on the line to rescue the people. Samuel. Samuel was dedicated to the Lord as a young child. You know, his mother had you know, she was blessed by having him, but had to go through the anguish of laying him down at the altar and leaving him there. So then Samuel could, could, he didn't, in case you don't remember that story, Eli, who was the priest at that time and his, and his sons were evil. Samuel had to become a man of character in spite of not having that leadership in his life. And then he then went on to have to keep Saul out of trouble. All of the stories of the characters in the Bible David was anointed as king as a young boy, and it was years later before he became king. He, had, he was tested time after time after time with Saul. He had so many opportunities to kill Saul, but, but God was building character in David. God was building character in Abraham. God was building character in Moses. God was building character in Joseph. God was building character in Ruth. God was building character in Joshua. God was building character in David. God was building character in Paul. God was building character in Peter. This is what Jesus was prophesying when he quoted Zechariah. You strike the shepherd and the sheep will scatter, but a third of them will go through the refining process and belong to me and I to them. Part of being a Christian is walking through that refining process, learning to take what Jesus teaches us and put it into practice, going against the grain, against the, the, the way of the world, living differently, thinking differently, responding differently, getting up every day and following the shepherd and allowing the painful things in life to shape us into the image of Jesus. This is God's ultimate plan. Galatians chapter two, verse 20, Paul, you know, 
Paul talks about this. He says, I have been crucified with Christ and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I now live in the body, I live by faith in the son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. That, that crucified with Christ is that refining process that must occur. We have to die to ourselves so Christ can live in us. This is what Romans chapter eight, verse 29 talks about. Romans chapter eight, verse 29. For those God foreknew, he also predestined to what? To be conformed to the image of his son. For us to become who God has created us to be, who he designed us and purposed us to be, there is a refining process that must occur. Your journey is going to look different than anybody else's journey. That's why there are no two Bible stories that are the same. Even Peter and John's story are very different. Paul's story, even Paul and Barnabas, who were companions for a significant period of their time together, their stories were different. God's story is going to be different than you. He may not ask you to walk through the fire that he walked Corey Timboom through. He's going to walk you through your own fire, and it's going to seem like God has forgotten you. I'm sure that there are many times Joseph sat in prison and thought, what did I do? <laughs> Moses, wandering through the desert, what did I do? Abraham, you said you were going to give me this child. When is it going to happen? I'm sure that there were many times that they felt abandoned. They felt like God had forsaken them. Elijah, we know that Elijah went through a period of time where he was so depressed. He just sat in the desert and sulked <laughs> until God kicked him in the butt and said, hey, kid, I got to talk to you. <laughs> Go get up on the mountain. <laughs> I say this to encourage you because you know what's beautiful? When you read Joseph's story, God was with him. Moses' story, God was with him. Abraham's story, God was with him. Peter's story, God was with him. John's story, God was with him. Your story, Jesus is with you. God is with you. The Holy Spirit has been given to you. I just want to encourage you guys right now. And I just felt that what the Lord really wanted to speak today was just a word of encouragement, a reminder that we will be refined. Those of us that belong to him, we will go through that fire and it's going to hurt. It's going to be painful, but it is for our growth. It is for our maturity. It is for our purification. It is so he can see his image in us. I read that story as I was preparing for this, you know, about uh, the lady who was working with the silversmith. I couldn't verify that that is actually how silver is refined. And so I didn't want to repeat the story, but it, the analogy is good nonetheless. And it, it does, it does align with what the scripture teaches. But the way the story goes is there's a lady who sat with a silversmith who was refining silver. And he was explaining to her, you have to get silver. You, have, you can't leave it in the fire too long because it corrodes the silver, which I did read is true. If you overheat silver for too long, then it does ruin it, but you have to get it just right. And so she asks the silversmith, how do you know when the silver is ready? And he says, because I can see my reflection in it. But that is also how the Bible teaches us. That's exactly what I just read to you guys from Romans. So he predestined us to become like Jesus. There is a process that when the Lord is done with us, it's going to feel like we can't break anymore. It's going to feel like we can't bend anymore. But when we get done, he'll look at us and he'll see himself in us. There is nothing greater we can hope to achieve than that the creator sees it is finished in us. Because he is perfect. He is good. 
what he creates is good. His works are good. He is the true definition of love. He is the true definition of goodness. And when that is born through our lives, through the process that he walks us through, what a blessed thing for the Lord to look at us and say, it is good. <laughs> First Peter chapter 1. I'm, gonna, I'm trying to decide how, how much I want to read. We'll start in verse six. In all this, you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while, you may have had to suffer grief in all kinds of trials. These have come so the proven genuineness of your faith of greater worth than gold, which perishes even though refined by fire may result in praise, glory, and honor when Jesus Christ is revealed. In other words, what, what Peter is saying here is that the things, the trials and the grief that you're going through is to prove the genuineness. This is, this is what the refining process is. It's proving what is there in the fire. This is why I started off with that story from the book of Luke or the, the, the parable that Jesus tells is because when the storm comes, what's left is proving what was there. What was, what's left is what was built on truth. You know, I don't spend as much time as I used to paying attention to what's happening in the world. And, and the Lord's given me a lot of peace since I read Corey Ten Boom's book and just realized that he's in control. Even though none of us would hope to ever go through anything like she went through, what God produced through her life uh, I mean, what an incredible blessing to be used by him in that way. And I just realized in that process of reading that book that when I am afraid, when I, when I have a bleak outlook, it's because I'm seeing things through my value system and not God's. I'm sure Corey never would have endured the things she did if it had been left up to her. But if, if she... But because of how God works, she was used so profoundly through something so awful. And this is all the stories that I shared with you and just giving you a high-level overview. I mean, Daniel, taken from his home, most likely made a eunuch, you know, forced to, to take on an identity, not his own. But all, the, all of these things that have the worldly appearance, the human appearance of evil, God uses for great good in our lives. And so what the Lord has been showing me is oftentimes when I come to him from a place of fear or when I come to him from a place of unbelief, it's because I want what I want, not what he wants. I'm seeing the world through the lens of the world's value system, not his. I want peace because I want my bank account to be full. He wants me to have peace because of who I know will keep me and, and protect me. I want I want the comforts of this world. He wants me to find my comfort in him. And so, you know, as he refines me and as he shows me these areas in my life where I have room to grow, what I want to do is I want to come to Jesus and say, Jesus, I want to buy from you gold refined in the fire. I want to participate in the process of my growth. I want to give you permission. I want to allow you. I want to ask you to come in. I hear you knocking at the door, Jesus. I'm going to open the door and ask you to come in and work in me. So you can work through me. Make me who you want me to be. We are going to have to embrace this if we want to fight the good fight, finish the race, 
endure hardship as a good soldier, as Paul teaches Timothy. And if we're going to walk through the season in life in that that we're in, in the in the place in the world and in the darkness that we're in, to walk through these things, we're going to have to trust God when the circumstances don't make sense, and we're going to have to learn to make Him our everything, learn to allow Him to refine us, and work with Him in this process. So, I just want to encourage you right now: if you feel like Joseph, maybe stuck in the prison, or Paul. I just read this morning in the book of Acts in my devotion, you know, where Paul and Barnabas go into, I, I, I think it's, uh, here, take two seconds to turn, Iconium. And they walk in and first the people are shouting, Zeus and Hermes, oh my gosh, the gods are amongst us. And then the Jews come in, sight, you know, stir the city against them. And then they stone Paul and kill him. <laughs> One minute he's a god, the next minute he's dead. <laughs> You know, in those moments when it's like, has God abandoned me? Has God forsaken me? No. And what we likely know happened when Paul was stoned in that case scenario, Luke is a little bit vague because Luke's the author of Acts that Paul was truly dead. It says they stoned Paul and dragged him outside of the city thinking he was dead. But after the disciples had gathered around him, he got up. So we don't know if he was, if he died and then rose to life, but we do know in second Corinthians, Paul talks about a time he went to heaven. And so some scholars believe that when Jesus, or excuse me, when Paul was stoned in Iconium, that that is when he went to heaven. And he, he just makes a very brief mention of it in 2 Corinthians. But all of these circumstances that looked bad, and the book of Acts is filled with these, the stoning of Stephen, you know, but it says after that, then, then, then the disciples were dispersed and they started sharing the gospel everywhere. You know, Paul and Silas going in prison. Well, what ends up happening in prison is they start singing praises to God. The prison guard gets saved and all of these prisoners have heard the gospel. And now the prison guard is saved. God is constantly working miracles in the seemingly awful things in life. So I just want to encourage you, if you feel like Joseph, if you feel like Paul in shackles, if you feel forgotten and rejected, you're not. Oftentimes, uncomfortable circumstances in our lives are, is God working in us to, to refine us. I don't want to diminish your pain or diminish what you're going through, but I want to remind you, look up and ask the Lord to refine you. Ask him to be, say, I don't want to fight against this anymore, Lord. I want to participate in what you're doing in my life. Teach me what it means to rely on you. Show me what you're trying to teach me in this time in my life. Teach me to be that lamb at your, at your ankles, just learning from you, following you, trusting you. I love this from Psalm 23. And I'm looking over here on the side because I have Psalm 23 hanging on my wall. Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Doesn't matter what the circumstances of our lives look like because God is refining us and he's taking us through these processes, processes. And there, I cannot think of a single biblical example where God used somebody in a mighty way that they didn't have to walk through fire before he used them. God has a plan for your life. He wants to use you. You are an important part of his plan. You are an important part of the body. You who are listening to this, I want you to hear these words. You matter. You were created with a purpose. You are a unique, beautiful individual who God has a plan for. And that plan is going to require some refining. Don't kick against the goats, but participate in it. Hear the knock of Jesus and open the door. 
allow him to walk you through the fire. Ask him to, for gold or find in the fire. Ask him to clothe you in his righteousness and ask him to give you eyes to see. Let us take to heart what he says to the church in Laodicea. And let us be wise enough to build our house on the rock. So when the storms that are coming come, our house is still standing because we've built them on the one and only true King of Kings and Lord of Lords. I just want to encourage you to stay in that place and to stay in the fire, no matter how uncomfortable it gets. He's with you. Remember that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego had to be called out of the fire. Why? Because they were walking around with the Son of God. May we be those who surrender to the flames of God's fire, not the, not the enemy's fire. And just say, you know what, Lord? I don't have to like this, but good, because it means you're refining me. So let's pray. Heavenly Father, we just thank you, Lord, that in spite of the fact we took this beautiful planet and this life that you gave us and we surrendered it to the wrong side, Lord, we gave it away. We indulged in sin. We indulged in the flesh. We celebrated evil, Lord, in spite of the fact that we wandered, that you went and you bore upon it on yourself our sin. You washed us. You cleansed us. You gave us a way to be made right with you. But Lord, more than that, you have a higher purpose and a higher calling for our lives. You have more. Lord, we just want to be so dependent upon you. We want you to be the source of our joy. We want you to be the source of our strength. We want you to be the source of our hope. So Lord, we just ask that you would refine us in the fire. Jesus, we ask for gold refined in the fire from you. Lord, we hear your rebuke and your discipline to the church in Laodicea. And Lord, we say to you, any area in our life where we have become lukewarm, Lord, we ask that you would forgive us for that. Holy Spirit, we ask that you would just come upon us now and show us the areas in your life, in our life, where you want to work in us, where you want to refine us, where you have more for us. Lord, we ask that you would cover us in your righteousness and that you would give us salve for our eyes. And Lord, we hear you knocking and we open the door wide open and we Jesus, we long to dine with you. We long for you to come in and speak words of life to us. Lord, refine us. Teach us to rejoice in the moments that you are creating character. You tell us suffering produces perseverance. Perseverance produces character. And character produces hope. And hope does not disappoint. And we praise you for that, Jesus. We put our hope in you. We just ask that in those moments when we are in the refiner's fire, Lord, when we don't have the strength to keep going, when we can't raise our hand to shake the hand of the brother that you rescued, when we are out of strength, when we don't sense you, when we don't feel you, when we feel abandoned and rejected, Lord, we just pray that in those moments, Holy Spirit, you would remind us. Sometimes the fire is exactly where you are and exactly where you have us because you are creating something more beautiful in us than we can do outside of the fire. But Father, more beautiful in us than we can imagine. Lord, I just pray for all my brothers and sisters who are listening right now. Holy Spirit, I just ask that you would fill them right now. I just pray that you would show them the areas in their lives where you are refining them, those areas where they're uncomfortable, where they're frustrated, Lord, that you would just take those moments, take those things, take those circumstances and use them for your kingdom and for your glory. Lord, you are so wonderful in that. There's nothing, nothing in our lives, nothing not a single detail that goes unused, unseen, and unprotected by you. You are in everything, working through everything. 
So Lord, just teach us to trust you in those moments. Just remind us that you are with us. Father, we love you and we just pray this in your precious name. Amen. Well, thank you guys. I hope that all of you who are listening to this have a wonderful Thanksgiving 2021. And don't forget, if you want to be included in that drawing for Vanessa Orabuena, that you sign up for the newsletter or send me the email. You can also just email, it t- email me at tiana at curadorco.com. And that's T-I-A-N-A at curadorco. It's uh, Spanish for healer. <laughs> C-U-R-A-D-O-R and then C-O for company.com. Thank you guys for tuning in. Have a wonderful, wonderful and blessed holiday. And I will see you guys on the other side of Thanksgiving. Thank you for tuning in to this episode of Made to Conquer. Please be sure to subscribe, leave a review, and tell your friends and family, anyone else you think would enjoy joining us on this journey of drawing closer to Jesus.